Hi, I'm Pastor Peter Dosick, and I know that you know that. But I want to encourage you that you understand the values of your church. What is important, the first and foremost important thing about a believer's life is that they have faith. They believe in God. They believe in His ways, His counsel, His statutes, and His judgment. So, as a believer, as a member of Only Believe Ministries Christian Center, come together. Let's grow in faith so we can please God and glorify Him. We believe in building strong friendships, caring for one another, and watching out for our brothers and our sisters in our church family. We also believe in nurturing relationships in our workplace and our neighborhood so that we can win people to Jesus. The love we experience in our upward connection with Christ is the love we strive to share every single day because we value relationships. It is no secret around here that one of our top values is being a rescuer for Christ. You may be saying, Nicole, I don't know how to rescue somebody. What if they're broke? What if they need mended? That's okay. If they do, you're in the right place at the right time. Remember, it's not our job to fix anyone. That's God's job. But it is our job to share the love of Jesus Christ, like someone shared with you. Share his love. Share your testimony. It'll work. you about another way you can help our church online. So if you go on Facebook or Google and give us a review and just share about your church experience, it can help others who are looking for a new church see your perspective of what church is like here at Only Believe Ministries. This is just another way that we can help spread the gospel online. Welcome, everyone. Hey, did your week go well? I haven't heard you guys back there. <laughs> okay, hey, you guys got to help me out with just this tiny little thing. Now, I, pastor said, honey, you need to learn how to uh, do the lawnmower. I have never run a lawnmower in my life. Do you think he has an ulterior motive? And it's a zero turn. I'm like a drunken sailor out there in the yard. I mean, I'm doing donuts and not meaning to do donuts. I twist it one way, it goes this way, or that way, this way. I, he says, honey, cut them little trees down around that tree. I'm like making five passes. Try, and I'm going one way, and then no trees get cut down. I go this way, no trees get cut down. I think he has an ulterior motive. I need your participation. It, does he have an ulterior motive to make me do the lawn? Yep, that's what I thought. Now I know your strategy. 
Anyway, well, maybe he's going to, he thinks he's going on to heaven. How much life insurance you got? No, I'm teasing. Hey, listen, we're just going to have a good day today. We're going to be worshiping the Lord. We're going to be hearing the good word of the Lord, what he's telling us to do, what he tells us not to do. I'm excited about today's service. Now, I also want to welcome the live streamers that are out there. We're glad that you're watching us today, but we'd rather you be here with us. But sometimes we know you can't. Now, if you're a first-time guest here today, look in the uh, front of you, in the pew in front of you, in the back, and there's a little card, and it's called uh, Let's Connect. I think that, like, Nikki, what's that called? Let's Connect, isn't it? Yeah. It's a little card, and it's called Let's Connect, and just write your name and your address and all that little stuff on it and drop it in the offering bucket, or you can take it out to the Welcome Center, which I would prefer you do, after the service, and then give it to one of the people that are at the Welcome Center so they can welcome you and tell you what's available, how you can help the church, how the church can help you. Just, just give you information, okay? All right, so let me see. And then for all of you, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, want to get connected with connect groups and all that kind of thing, or volunteer, you need to go out there and, and just look at everything and say, hey, what can I get involved in? What can I do? Whatever, and just get involved because it's your church. It's your church. So who and all's ready to worship the Lord today? Amen. Well, let's worship the Lord. Well, if you'd stand to your feet with us this morning, I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? We have the honor and the privilege to worship our King this morning. Hallelujah! And I was buried beneath my shame. And who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. And I was breathing but not alive. And all my failures I've tried high it was my turn till I knew hey. you called my name and I ran out of that grave out of the darkness into your glorious name oh you called my name you called my name Oh 
needed shelter. I was an orphan, but you called me.
sun to where it sets. I will give you praise. And in every circumstance, you are good. So I will give you praise. I know I've got nothing to fear in your love. Your love is holding me. So I'll give, I'll give you all of me. Everything I am, I'll give you praise. You were so good to me. With everything I have, I'll give you praise. You're better than life to me. With everything I am, I'll give you
you to be a people of strength and of courage. I have called you a people to be the light unto the world, the cities on the hill. I have called you out. I've called you out. I've called you out. Time for game playing's over. For my time is coming and it's coming so very soon. I have showered with you with every fruit of the spirit. I have showered you with every gift that you need. I need you now to step out and move forward. I need you now to become those lights on the hill. The rebellious times are over. But the time now is for you to be my people, to stand up and stand in your places that I have called you to stand into. The time for now is now. It's not then. It's not when. It's now. So I need you to rise up, and I need you to do what I've called you to do. Don't be afraid anymore. The time for game playing is over. Set aside everything that keeps you from coming to me, that keeps you from doing what I've called you to do, that wastes your time. Come to me now. Come to me now, because now is the time. There is no more waiting. Now is the time. And here, as we wait, seek your face. You come and make your throne upon our praise. Here in this place, have your way. The moment that we see you, we are changed. Show us your glory. Show us your glory.
not by might, but only by the cross we come alive. Here we're undone, overcome by heaven's love revealed before our eyes. Show us, show us your glory, show us your glory.
You know, we're going to sing this next part again. We're going to sing Chains Fall, Fear Bow. We're going to mix our faith with them. We're declaring that it's going to happen right here in this moment. Right now on this Sunday morning, the chains are going to begin to fall. Because you see, the word says the anointing breaks chains and breaks every yoke. So I encourage you, if you don't have a chain in your life, if you can say, I'm chain free, praise God. But I'm telling you, you know someone who's not. And maybe we can use our faith for others. And maybe we can put our faith towards someone else. Because in this church, we're rescuers. Amen? We value relationships in this church. I can think of people right now. If chains don't begin to fall off their life, their souls are bound for hell. And I'm telling you, it's not okay. It's not okay that I don't fight. That I don't fight for my brother. That I don't fight in the spirit for my sister and my brother. So we're going to put our faith to something today. Amen? We are a faith house. We believe in faith. I encourage you when we sing this, chains fall, fear bow, right here and right now. Declare it today. Declare it. It's done. Declare it today. Come on, let's sing this. Chains fall. Chains fall. Change everything, Jesus, you change everything. 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 Jesus,
Jesus changes everything. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We serve a Jesus that changes everything. Amen. There's not a situation that he is idle in. There's not a situation that he is silent on our behalf. Amen. Hallelujah. It is tithing time, giving time here at Only Believe. You can clap. You can be excited about putting God first in your life, in your money. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. I go to the scripture verse today. It's an oldie but a goodie. Most of you here have heard it. And if you're new, then welcome to the best scripture about tithing. It's Malachi, the third chapter, the 10th verse. It says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. That means the Lord is speaking. Bring it into his house that there may be meat in mine house. Improve me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the window. Wait, wait, it wasn't window. Windows, more than one of heaven and pour out a blessing. Did that say trickle down? Did that say let you find pennies on the ground? Pour out a blessing that you will not be room, that there will not be room enough for you to contain. Now let me remind you something. We can give 3% of our first fruits. We can give 5%. We could give 9%. But this scripture wouldn't apply. The tithe equals a tenth of what we get, right? So this scripture only pertains to you and I if we're giving all the tithe. There's a reason he stated bring all the tithes into the house. Because see, God's not looking for a 3% participation. He's not looking for a 5% participation. He's looking for an all participation, amen? And, and I'm telling you, so to think that God is not counting... When he counts the numbers of hairs on your head is a falsity. He's counting and he cares. Because see, he don't want you to have a portion of a window open. He don't want you to have one window open, 5% of heaven's windows open. He wants all of the windows open on your behalf. But if we don't do what the word says, then we don't receive the reward. Amen? So I want to remind you that today as you tithe, all of the 10%, we give to God because, one, we're thankful. That's how the original tithe started, is because Moses was thankful for what had happened, right? And he honored the Lord with what he had been given. But now we, as believers, say that, Lord, not only are we thankful for what you've done, we're going to mix our faith with it, and we want to know you as Jehovah Jireh my provider. See, your government is not the provider. That next stimulus check that's in the mail is not the provider. Your job is not the provider, but God is the provider. When all else fails, he will prevail in every situation. And we've got to know that God is not idle on our behalf, but he's not looking for part of a participation. He's looking for all. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today, and Lord, we're all in.
with you. God, we are all in with your word and your promises. Father, we believe every one of them, not a part of them, but all of them. And Father, we are participants with our faith. We mix our faith, Father, and proclaim that you are Jehovah Jireh in our life. And Father, we thank you for everything you've provided, that which you will provide, and that which you've have will in the future provide for our grandchildren's grandchildren. And Father, we bring our tithes into this storehouse today with thanksgiving in our heart, knowing that your word will not return void. Open the windows, O Lord, for we are faithful with little, so you will give much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I want to remind you the world in the middle is for missions. If that's where you want an offering to go, feel free, put it in there. Souls are important to the Lord. to God. Jesus is alive. The devil's in trouble and so is your problem. Hallelujah. Dare to believe the impossible. You believe anything else, you might get it. So let's believe the impossible. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles today to Matthew 17, 20. We are continuing our lesson on this discovery of what faith will do but how the enemy destroys it and what faithlessness will do faithlessness is the enemy of the abundant life of jesus christ and so the enemy is opposed to your living an abundant life and so he will attempt to get your faith. Luke, the 17th chapter and verse 8 says, when Jesus returns, will he find faith on the earth? Now, when he says that, then we understand that as time gets closer, that it is going to come under more attack than ever, the faith of every believer. Now, I'm going to talk today about the thieves of faith. The thieves of faith. That which steals, destroys our faith. And Matthew 17, 20 says this, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for I, ver for I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, 
Now we know that that is very small. And ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Faith is the catalyst, the birthplace of the supernatural. It has been when we got saved, and it is today as we live for Christ. Notice that Jesus sets out a measurement of faith. Now, faith can be measured. And so as we look at this, it simply implies to us that the smallest measure of faith can transform the human life. The smallest measure of faith can transform the human life. Let's go to uh, Mark, the fourth chapter, and the reason I want you to see this, Mark 4, 35, is I want to emphasize that faith can be shrunk or made small. It can start out in a great way, but be made small by the circumstances that you go through. And it says, in the same day, when the evening was come, he said unto them, anybody know where faith comes from? The word of God. So here Jesus says unto them, let us go to the other side. Now, automatically, the faith that it takes to get to the other side to deal with everything that would seek to stop them has been made powerless in the eyes of Jesus because he said, let us go to the other side. He understands that there has been a deposit of faith. Whenever God speaks to you, there is a deposit of faith. Jesus speaks to these men, go to the other side. So he knows that if the adversary rises up, if something happens, that their faith would be able to sustain them. Next verse. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. In other words, it was one with the ocean. And it says, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, saying unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, he rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Why would Jesus make such a statement? Because he had enabled them with faith to cross the sea and to deal with anything that rose up. Jesus expected them to deal with what was trying to stop them. And he realizes that faith was the answer. 
And he said, where is it or how is it that you have no faith? So evidently, something had stolen his faith, right? Or how could Jesus have said, where is your faith? Did you mislay it? Did you put it someplace else? Where is it? What happened to it? Jesus was giving them an insight that faith, as precious as a commodity that it is in the believer's life, is that it takes away the struggle of the believer and releases the might of God. And so that Jesus tells them, look, you could do all things if you would have held on to faith. That tells me that faith needs to be guarded. Could again, amen. It needs to be guarded because thieves can break through and it can be stolen. James 1, 2 says rejoice when there comes diverse temptations, storms when it comes, tempests when it comes, attacks of the enemy, and that's just what a storm is. Jesus rebuked the wind, commanded the sea to be at peace because none of it was from God. And then Jesus tells us in James, by the author of James, the writer of James, he says, look, count it all joy. In other words, your attitude is important in the battle that you're going through. Could again, amen. Attitudes have an odor, and people can smell them even when you're trying to hide it. Yeah, how there's just something about a stinking skunk. All right, anyway. Now, and it says this, if you lack wisdom, James 1, ask God who gives liberally. God is not hindering. God is not holding back. God's not trying to squeeze out just enough to get. What's God doing? God is saying, look, if you have need of wisdom, my resources are available through faith. Come on. And then God says this. But a double-minded man is unstable in his ways. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. So now we see that the assurance of faith and the substance of faith can be stolen and make you at the mercy of the devil's wishes. Protect your faith. Amen? Matthew, the 14th chapter, tells us that faith can remedy the results of problems that we face. Number two, there is great faith. Matthew, the 8th chapter and verse 10. Jesus said, I've never found so great a faith in Israel not in all of the regions that I've been, that this man, this centurion, has, he has great faith. Now you realize and I realize that if you have great faith, you can do great things. Amen? James 2, 22 through 26 says you can have dead faith. 
Faith without works is dead, but the good thing about it is it can be resurrected. Now that reveals something to me that so many Christians have entombed their faith by the things that they fear or the things that they dismiss as being possible. And if faith is entombed, dead, if it's not being activated, the wishes, the purposes, and the plans of God will never be experienced by those that have entombed their faith. Luke 5, 17 tells us that faith can be seen. Faith can be seen. Somebody say, you can see faith. Absolutely. The Bible says that they took a, a bed, a cot that was bore by four, and they broke up the top of the house, and they let the man down. And when Jesus saw their faith, you said, well, Jesus, you know I believe. Well, then you need to do something to let it be seen. And then it can be heard. You know, faith can be heard. It can be heard. In other words, it has a voice. People that murmur are faithless. Now, I know you say, oh, Pastor, don't be so hard. I'm, I'm not. I'm just not. It, it's... People that are faithless murmur like they did in the wilderness. But it's so sandy and so hot. I know it, but what does that have to do with your voice of faith? Faith can be heard because ten lepers cried out to Jesus, Jesus, thou son of God, have mercy on us. Jesus heard their faith. And he told them, go show thyself to the priest. Faith releases God's will in our lives. That is the only suffering. You say, oh, but God loves me. I understand that. He loves every sinner. Hell is being enlarged every day. Don't mistake for what God has done as your escape of responsibility. Yes. The Bible says in Matthew 9, 29, there was a, two blind men that cried out to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus brings them and he says, well, what do you want me to do? And they said that we might see. And Jesus says, well, no problem, man. That's not what he says at all. He says this. This is the condition. Had nothing to do with the power of God. No limitations. Has nothing to do with the willingness of Jesus. He's willing. Has nothing to do with the purpose of God. Has nothing to do with some secret, covert operation that God's trying to do in their house or their family. He says these words, according to thy faith, so be it unto you so be it unto you. In other words, if people don't use their faith, even though the will of God is standing right in front of them, it will pass them by. 
even though God's purpose is revealed to you, even though his plan presents itself, if you do not use your faith, you are still going to be in the same situation that you were before that plan, that purpose, or the will of God unveiled itself to you. And it's so important that we understand. I hear things like this. Well, if God wants me to have it. Oh, okay. I mean, I've had people say that. Well, if God wants me saved, he'll just save me. Oh, well, if he wants me to have the Holy Ghost, I guess he'll just fill me. Well, you know, if God wants me to do something, then he'll just make it happen. None of those statements are true. Absolutely untrue. It requires faith in order for God to participate in our life and for us to participate in his plan. Could it get an amen? Yeah, this is a grumpy little crowd today. Come on, somebody, shout hallelujah. Listen, we have to understand that God has given us faith, but it is subject to our desire. If you want a mountain move, then you're going to have to open your mouth. If you want a sycamine tree plucked up, you're going to have to open your mouth. If you want God to do something supernatural in your vision, whether naturally or spiritually, you're going to have to use your faith. We have got to stop blaming an innocent God for our lack of life. Amen. We have got to stop it. Hallelujah. Now, we also realize that out of these two blind men, that with faith you can create an experience. And an experience, according to Romans 5, 6, and 7, is this, that with an experience comes hope. And hope is always accompanied with faith. So if you use your faith to experience something that God wants in your life, has provided for your life, then what happens, you rejuvenate faith in order to apprehend something else. Without an experience, we're just people listening to good stories. And faith can turn an attack or the work of the devil around and give you a testimony. Now, it's up to your faith. You can let the devil rule you, or you can use your faith to transform his throne into a place that you can declare what God has done. It's totally up to you. How does Satan destroy and stop God's purpose, plans, and powers? All he has to do is destroy faith. Or all he has to do is get you to put it in a tomb. Matthew 17, 4 tells us that faithlessness is a perversion of the way that righteous people are to live. 
Can I have Matthew 17, 14 on the screen? What's these, what this word means? And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic and sore vexed, for oftentimes he falleth into the fire and oftentimes into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, this is what Jesus is stating to the reason that miracles can't happen. Listen to Jesus' response. Well, I'm the only mighty one here. Well, I am the Son of God. He puts his finger upon the reason that miracles do not happen in a believer's life. Now, I'm not, look, I'm not condemning you, I'm not getting on you. I'm telling you why things don't happen. Now, you can change it or you can just live the way you've been living. I don't know about you. I want to change it. Amen? Amen. I don't want to just be ordinary. I don't want to just be traditional, dead Christianity. I don't want to be just a number of people that call Jesus Lord. I want to use my faith to unveil God to a world that is lost. See, your faith makes you bigger than what your life is. My life is bigger than Buckton's, Ohio. Your life is bigger than wherever you live. It's bigger. And if you will apply faith to God opportunities, you will begin to see the vastness of God's outreach through you. And then it says the end, oh, faithless and perverse. That word perverse is a unique word. It means that it is a distorted way of life. In other words, people that are faithless are distorted from what God created them to be. It means to turn away and to oppose that which God has called you to be a part of. Do you know that when we don't use our faith or we live faithless in the world, that we become opposers to God's activity in our life? Well, I, I, you know, God's met all my needs. I don't need any. That's the perverted way of thinking of self-absorbed people. We are to have faith bigger than ourselves. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Now, let's begin to see some of the reasons that faith dies, or is stolen. One is found in Rome in Matthew, the 8th chapter, verse 5 on down. 
where the centurion speaks and about authority and that he understands that there's nothing more powerful than the Word of God. Now, what that simply reveals to us is this, that in people's lack of knowledge, in spiritual ignorance, we can separate ourselves from faith. The devil wants to keep us ignorant. Now, it has no problem with us using Christian cliches. Uh, he just loves to hear that. But unless it comes from the human heart written by God on the tablets of, your, of the stones of your heart, it really is not filled with life and faith. Amen. Mimicking what a book said or what somebody said, say this with me. Now, I understand that we do that as a church, but that's not our way of life. Who is God to you? That's where faith bubbles up. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, ignorance to the authority that a believer has and to God's will and his word causes or allows the enemy to take over our faith. These enemies destroy people who have faith and cause them to miss even heaven. There are millions of Christians that have backslid because they've lost their faith. Because they did not, well, I don't understand why God didn't do this. Then get in the Bible and find out. Oh, well, can't you just tell me? No, I don't know. I don't know. What did you? I don't know. Maybe you tied your shoes wrong. I don't know. I, I don't know. Now, I make fun that I don't know if you tied your shoes wrong or not. But listen, your life is not mine. Take responsibility and say, I'm going to find out why I did not receive. And get in there. Now, if you're not interested, then just... Keep right on coasting. But if you really want change, then stop accepting status quo. Amen. Thank you. Matthew 8.23. It talks about fear. Fear. What is fear? Does anybody know? It is a spirit sometimes. Other times it is just an emotional intimidation from evidence that is accumulated in front of you. We, we just get intimidated. It is an emotional thing that causes us to mentally bend down and become its servant. That's what intimidation is, and that's fear. Then we have what? We have an example of somebody that gets in Matthew, the eighth chapter, where somebody is in a tribulation. Tribulation is 
problems, persecutions, trouble. And people misread that. Why do trouble, why does trouble come? Because the enemy knows that if your faith is not disrupted, you will win. So he tries to get you to be intimidated, to get troubled, to get stirred, to lose your peace and assurance. He gets you to begin to question, is God really working? And then Peter gets out of the boat. You remember that? And the Bible says he started looking around, and when he saw the boisterous wind, well, let me ask you something. When did that wind start? Before Peter ever stepped out. Jesus came walking with them in the storm that was contrary. In other words, everything that you're looking at was already there. But we get our eyes off of Jesus and we start looking at the wind. We start looking at the problems and we start doubting. What is doubt? A mental instability. One way, another way. One way, another way. Another reason that we lose our faith is thoughts. Somebody say a thought. And a thought simply means this. This is an interesting meaning of the word thought. It means you begin to seek your own interest. In other words, you're really not sold out to pleasing God. You're just sold out to surviving. It means that we seek, or a man would seek, his own promotion. We are weighing it out. What will happen if it doesn't work? What will happen if it does work? And most of the time, people that become faithless in life are people that are trying to become self-providers. It means to be anxious. And the idea behind a thought coming in is to distract you, to separate you from something inseparable or unmovable, and to break you into parts or to disunite you from your spirit and your soul. Can I have a, Andrew, give me a picture up here. Do I have my picture? Ah, this picture is at my house. See all of that dead bush around that green tree? I planted that bush about eight years ago. What I didn't plant is that apple tree right in the middle of my bush. Now, Phyllis chose the bush. I want this out there. I said, don't plant that there. Oh, no, 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 I want it. I said, Phyllis, I'm telling you, it will get totally out of control. And I'm telling you, the thing got demon-possessed. 
It, it went everywhere. I mean, it tried to take the pond. It tried to take over the five acres. I mean, it just like lost its mind. But lo and behold, there is an apple tree right in the middle of my bush, and notice the apple tree is alive and the bush is dead. That's just what the devil does to our faith. He plants a thought. No two thoughts can be in the same place. One will dominate the other and destroy it. You may not see the fullness of the results of that seed, but you will begin to turn positive confession and actions into negative complaints. Negative complaints are simply seeds of opinions and seeds of disunity, seeds of self-promotion, seeds of self-provision, but they have nothing to do with faith. Now, seeds, uniquely enough, can be sown by friends. In fact, one time, Peter tried to seed Jesus. Oh, no, that's not going to happen to you. Now, Jesus, Mr. Kind, Mr. Love, God in the flesh, turned around and said, you devil, you get behind me. That ought to tell you how dangerous thoughts are are even from well-meaning friends. Jesus didn't say, well, let's talk about it, Peter. Let's lay out scripture. Why was Jesus so adamant? Why was he so Mr. Unkind? Why was he like Mr. Unloved? That's what we would have said about Jesus. Well, I thought he was supposed to love him. I, I, I thought he was friends. I, I, I thought that, you know, he, he, he was supposed to be a nice guy. He was. But he lived for God and not for Peter. And your faith is the only thing in your life that pleases God. Well, he likes me to love people. Well, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Not without love, without faith. So what I'm trying to tell you is that the enemy, where's my picture? The enemy is doing this to your faith all the time. Now, that is an apple tree. Now, I have tried for 14 years to grow an apple tree. Yeah. You look down at the bottom of the hill, there's two or three of them that the deers had just ate away. You can't even tell that they were ever planted. Then you got another one down there that's got so many things that have come up out of the root system, it looks like an apple bush. Now, it's not going to produce anything because it has to be pollinated. 
and I got to have another apple tree to pollinate that apple tree. I want apple trees so bad that I, this year, learned how to graft apple trees into my crab apple trees. And I went to a person's place, and without them knowing it, I stole apple tree limbs off of his apple trees. Didn't you feel bad? No, no. He had plenty of limbs, and since then, he died and went to heaven. And I'm sure if he's mad about it, he told God, and God said, oh, get over it. Now, because there's lots of things God just don't give a hoot about that people make problems with. Now, let me tell you something. I learned how to graft. I went to the web. I looked at books. I bought special tape. I bought everything. And I'm telling you, the devil is opposed to apple trees on my property. Because all the limbs did was die. Well, pastor, have you given up? No, but God showed up. And God gave me an apple tree from somewhere. I don't know if he resurrected Johnny Appleseed. I don't know, don't care. All I know is that bush that I hated and that Phyllis loved, God's eyes are up on favorite people, and I now have an apple tree. And it sucked all of the life out of that bush. Now, that happens to our faith right in the midst of something that is living comes a seed that extracts life from that which we have desired. And then what happens is you begin to see negativity. You begin to speak negativity. And you know that everything produces after its own kind. We end up with negativity. What is negativity? Remember, it is a perversion of the faith life. Matthew 15, 1 through 9. Tradition and doctrines of men. Traditions and doctrines of men steal our faith. Jesus said it this way, you keep the traditions and doctors of men and reject the commandments of God. You know, tradition says what? We do it this way forever. But even Jesus took people through transition and said, leave that which was once established behind. We're going somewhere where it will be a hindrance. And so Jesus called them to a place of faith, not a place of just traditionalism and obeying the commandments of men. It's really known so many times as carnal-mindedness. We just think about natural things, how to do it our way, how to get it our way, how to provide for us our way, but we leave faith behind. Faith is one of the weightier matters 
that Jesus expects Christian people to bear. He said, it's good that you tithe and do this and do that and do that, but you forgot the weightier matters. Faith is a weighty matter. Negative talk or hearing it or saying it will destroy your faith. Will destroy your faith. You can find that in 2 Timothy 2, 16 through 17, that ungodliness, when heard and when spoken, will bring more ungodliness. You know, I feel like I'm teaching to the first congregation I had in that little 16 by 32 foot room. They were all Catholics. Somebody say, oh, you're talking about Catholics. Oh, be quiet. If I wanted to talk about Catholics, I'd talk about Catholics. I'm just telling you who they were. I can't help who they were. You know, if they'd been Mormons, I'd have said Mormons. Now you're on Mormons. No, no. I'm moving on to the Lutherans. They would have been Lutherans. You know, just feed people goofy stuff and they'll eat it. Now listen. And they begin to learn. And they begin to grow. And they begin to be transformed. In 2 Timothy 2.23 through 24, can we have that up there? 2 Timothy 2.23. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid. Avoid. Don't try to answer them. Don't try to come to a resolve. Now, now listen, I, I know you think, oh, no, I, I want to get to the end. Listen, foolish and unlearned questions. There are some things you're never going to know. You're never going to know. Weapons of mass destruction. Do you know if they were there? Well, so-and-so said. I didn't say so-and-so said. I said, did you know? Well, he heard... I said, do you know? Well, no, no, have you seen pictures? No. But we started a war with something that we could never prove that existed. Foolish and unlearned questions. You'll never get to the end of it at all. And then it says this, questions do what? Avoid knowing that they do gender strifes. Now, you know what strife is or gender means? Gender strifes means your words create battlefields. Your words create battlefields, not God's word, our words. And then it says the, the servant of the Lord must not, what's that word? must not strive. In other words, now please listen to me. You, someday we have to believe that God is really God. God said the man of God must not strive. The man of God must never have contention or a battlefield born by his words.
Well, yeah, yeah, but we all get to speak our mind. No, you don't. Your mind is supposed to be replaced with the mind of Jesus. See, your mind wants to get your promotion. Your mind wants to get ahead. Your mind wants to know how you come out on top. The mind of Jesus says, I'll never draw a brother into an argument or a place that he's not at peace to prove my point. Now, I didn't say that. Hey, can you take that word strive out of there? I see people squirming and they, they might. Can we put another word in there? Andrew, can we put another word in there for strive? Hmm. Well, I, I wish I know how to get rid of strife and battlefields and be gentle unto all men and apt to teach and be patient. Folks, I'm telling you that we have got to adjust our lives to live by faith. And that means that Jesus has to be Lord. I mean in the real sense. Not just the t-shirt, not the tattoo on the arm, not one around your waist, not one down your forehead. That may be all fine, but that doesn't sanctify you in the eyes of God. Now, when I lose all my hair, I'm going to get a hair tattoo. 3D. I have no problem with that. Don't you think that should be allowed? Absolutely, I do. I do. Right, David? We're doing it together. Hallelujah. Now, Hebrews 10, 22, I sure gave you a lot today. Hebrews 10, 22 says that we need to cleanse our conscience from evil work, that you may live in the fullness of faith. That means that we should never do anything that causes our conscience to wonder what we have done. And then 1 Peter 2, 11 through 25, you can read that for yourself at home. It means simply stay pure and seek unity. Seek unity. Can I have my picture on the screen again? David, this week, maybe we get the chainsaw out there and bring an end to Phyllis's dream. Didn't you and Phyllis cut down my, yeah, my pine tree that I love so much, it had grown like 10, 12 foot. Well, she did it to me. What she sows is what she reaps. And that's fair. That's Jesus. Now, notice, now the roots and the branches on Phyllis's bush are about that big. 
But some way, that apple seed got in the ground. And it came up through all of those big roots and stole the life out of Phyllis's dream. Thank God for signs and wonders. Now, what I'm trying to show you is all these little seeds that you think is normal. What you have to understand is the world, its way of thinking, and its way of doing is not compatible with the kingdom. Now, you can declare Christianity, but the bottom line is at the end of life, the Bible says God knows who is his. And if we do things he tells us not to do, I don't know. But we're not perfect. I'm not saying you're perfect. But the problem is that we do lots of things that we've talked about today intentionally. That's the problem. We don't try to get out of it. We don't try to accept people. We try to manipulate people. We try to dominate people. We're a bunch of bullies. Whether it's a political party. I was telling somebody the other day, do you know I have Democrats in this church that threatened me? Yeah. Now that would make you not like a Democrat, but the same week, so did a Republican. Now you think of that. Now the Bible says don't ever threaten. And people are calling me, threatening me on the telephone. What, 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 what are they going to do? They might leave. I, I don't know. But you better start obeying the Bible. Don't threaten. Why would you do that? To make me a Democrat? I'm not a Democrat. Make me a Republican? I'm not a Republican. Well, just what are you? I'm an independent. And I'm going to vote for who I think is best. That's it. I'm, I'm going to vote my convictions. And no matter who it is, I'm not telling you because that's not my job. My job not is, is to persuade you and make you believe or come my way. No, not, not going to do it. So, but actually threatened. Can you imagine that? I couldn't believe it. Thank God I was a day older than I was before. Because I might have reverted back to my worldly language and my hand signals. I'm glad you're a day older. But see, we don't really want peace. What we want is conformity. We don't have that right. Now, we're not going to get there tomorrow. But if you want to live by faith, if you want to stop the devil's activity, 
then we need to make sure that he's not sowing. Where is my picture again? <laughs> We're not allowing him to sow seeds into our dream bushes. I don't know, maybe some of us don't believe that one day, David, we're going to lay our head down and it's going to be our last breath. There'll be no hope of any change after that. There'll be no second or third chances. There'll be no door in or out of purgatory because it doesn't exist. There'll just be what you did in your life. I want people to go to heaven. I really do. I want people to go to heaven. Amen? So let's start using our faith. Let's really become a problem to the devil. Amen. 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 Let's stop treating everybody like our enemy and start focusing on the devil. Amen. Start using our faith. Let's start believing God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Praise God. I preach short. That's not good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. You have done great things. Oh, hallelujah. Great things. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Bless the Lord. Bless him. Bless him. Bless him. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Regina, can you sing that song for me? Uh, Let every praise. Let every praise. And that's what we're going to dismiss with. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John, how long have you been saved? Since November 1969. Since November 1969. How many things have you seen God do by faith? Too many to number. How many things have you seen him do without faith? None. None. Bob, how long have you been saved? Actually, I don't know how many years, to tell the truth. A long time. A long time. <laughs> what have you seen God do by faith? And how many things have you 
wished he would have done, but it didn't happen because we didn't use our faith. Innumerable things I've seen him do by faith. Never praise. He doesn't do anything without faith, but he does do it by faith. Amen. Through a prison door, he reaches out and saves a soul. Right? And saves a soul. God reaches through a prison door and saves a soul. Reaches down in the deepest mire and brings us up out of it. Brings us through the calamities of life and brings us through. Amen? All of us have these stories. We have testimonies. Let's hang on to our faith. It is the most precious thing that we could ever have. Let's make sure that the devil does not put seeds into the roots of our faith. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands up. Jesus, oh God, we love you, Jesus. You've given us this gift of faith. Let us not let it have the life sucked out of us, but let us feed it, nurture it, use it, protect it. Let us activate it. Let the tombs of faith be opened. Hallelujah. God, we thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for the gift of faith that makes all things possible to us that believe. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Come on, Regina, sing it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is to our God every praise, every praise, every praise, every praise. Is to our God. Sing every praise, every praise. Is to our God. Every word of worship with one accord. Every praise, every praise, every praise. Every praise. It's to our God. Sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah.